Welcome to Training for Manhood, an ongoing exploration and adventure intended to be fast, fun, and formative for guys who desire to be the best men they can. Young or old, there are always areas for improvement, growth, and maturity. We hope you'll pay attention and put into practice the useful advice you hear on this podcast. But remember, the goal isn't just to listen, but to do what you learn. Welcome to Training for Manhood. All right, welcome back to Training for Manhood. Dan Panetti with Mike and Gabe, and we're finishing up the last two chapters of The Meaning of Marriage by Tim and Kathy Keller. Uh, And the last two chapters deal with singleness in marriage, which you might not think that those two go together, but they do. He's going to tell you why. Um, And then sex in marriage. And you definitely think those two go together. uh, And he's going to help explain that last chapter. So, But before we get into it, um, the singleness in marriage, um, I love this quote. He says, the answer uh, is that single uh, people cannot live their lives well as singles without a balanced, informed view of marriage. And it's kind of an interesting concept because he's... He's giving you this idea that um, that while God has called some individuals to singleness, that even a single person needs to understand what marriage is and is for, and and it's it's a it's a very interesting concept as he goes through here. Um, you know, we both we were joking before that we were talking about Paul, um, who was a single man, um, probably uh, writes about this idea that, hey, listen, you can get married if you want. Um, but there's some so there's some real advantages to being single. And those advantages are um, that you have more time and more energy to devote to the work of the Lord. Now, that isn't what most people think about when they think about singleness. Uh, and what Paul would tell you is man, that's, that's a great thing. But here's the deal. If you're going to get married, there's some um, difficulties that come with it, but there's also some advantages. And so you've got to weigh through that. But as a single person, um, Keller wants you to kind of think through that process of what is singleness for? And you have to understand that, that it's, it's sort of a juxtaposed next to the concept of well, what's marriage for? Right. So if, if you want to be single, you, you need to understand that there are things that come with that. But marriage is an institution that God has created uh, for some things and some, some relationships that you really need to understand. And so I love how he puts that. This is why I'd give this book to anybody who's single or married. It doesn't matter um, because he does such a great job with giving you biblical instruction no matter where you are in the process. So. Yeah, he does a good job of recorrecting maybe some bad perceptions the church has had historically about the value yes. of singleness. Yep. We've undervalued that and maybe overvalued marriage, and, and then we've missed the mark on both in that process. Yes. And, he, and he just raises it up, and he evens out maybe the skew we've put on marriage. Both are good, both are valuable, both are different, but both should still serve the glory of the Lord. Yeah, and I do, I do like how he put it. He says Christianity was the first religion that held up single adulthood as a viable way of life, where we're today still in most cultures, uh, including kind of the American culture, but in most cultures, you're defined by your family. Yeah. You're defined by your spouse, by your children, right? And being a single in most cultures is, is not a viable, it's sort of a, oh, I guess you couldn't get married as opposed to, hey, if God's called you to singleness, that's a fantastic opportunity for you to fully live out the gospel. Um, and, and, he, and he references this. <laughs> he says this. He says, Jesus Christ was a single man and the perfect man. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't devalue singleness, but also then don't overvalue marriage or undervalue marriage. And you have to kind of put all that together yeah. and balance it out. So. And Paul is saying this during a, a cultural context during Bible times when 
the honor of the family was penultimate. Oh, yes. So the marriage portion of the culture was huge mm-hmm. to establishing honor in the family and, and economically as yep. well. Yep. And, and Paul's saying, hey, there's plenty of value in being single. And don't forget it. You've got plenty of opportunities. Yep. Yeah, I, I think the one thing that I took away, I mean, there were many things, but kind of like where I landed with this chapter was um, this really just this desire, I think, for Tim to, to express to single people that, um, that your identity is not I'm single. Right. right? I, I, I feel like that's really where he's going with this. Is I that, love that. Listen, your Good identity is it. not that you're single. Your, your, it's the same thing that the world would love for every one of us to do is base our identity on our sexual orientation. Yep. Right? I mean, this, this is the great, like kind of chasm of our day is that everybody everything wants to revolve around six yeah. or in sex or in this case like marital status yeah. but at the end of the day like your your identity is not that you're single uh, your identity is that you are a follower of jesus lord willing uh and then uh these other things single married uh widowed like all of these things these are just like this is just where you're at in in the course of your life yeah and so while you may be single forever you it may, may just be a season that you're in currently right now it's not your identity because those things can change yeah. Uh, the identity that doesn't change and that will never change is uh, a son or daughter of the Most High King, uh, and so 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 to to spend our energy on on woe is me I'm single mm-hmm. or man I just can't wait to be married. There's another quote in there. It's like uh, I'm single and I really want to be married, uh, but I'm good either way because God is good, right? Whether I'm single, whether I'm married, doesn't matter. God's for me and He'll provide whatever He wants. Yes, but He does give some great practical counsel for sure. For, for those, he says, that, you know, marriage seekers, right? And he, he says things like, you know, recognize there are seasons for not seeking marriage. Mm-hmm. Right? There's, a, there's a time when, right, that that doesn't have to be your, you know, your ultimate goal. Um, understand the gift of singleness. Um, get more serious about getting married as you get older, right? That, that, should, that should be something that happens for a young person. Um, you know, uh, it says uh, don't let things get too passionate too quickly, right, mm-hmm. which is, you know, in a sense, kind of being forced into marriage because you can't control um, your, you know, sex drive. And he's like, don't do that. Don't, don't put sex before. And all of a sudden, you know, it's like if you have a healthy um, God honoring relationship and it doesn't lead to marriage, right, then that's fine. But if you're having sex with everybody, it's like, Hey, listen, (laughs) you need to be in a marriage relationship, right. To confine your sexual activity to one person. Um, So he writes about that. He does say, um, uh, get and submit to lots of community input, which I love. Um, you need to, if you're single, you need to be around married people. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, most churches have a singles class where singles go and they're hanging around other single people. And he's saying you need to be around married people too. So you can see what marriage is and looks like. Um, because you know, not only are, are you single and need to understand married marriage, but you may one day be married. Doesn't mean you'll be single forever for everybody. Uh, and if you're going to be married, you can't just be around a bunch of single people understanding what marriage is. So lots of great advice in there in this particular chapter. Anything else, Mike? Yeah, yeah I would I would uh, bring it up to the, you know, 2022 and say, hey, uh, don't assume somebody's social media page is actually who they are. <laughs> you know, this community of input is phenomenal. Yeah. And, and we devolved into a culture that 
markets yourself. Yes. Like there's a ton of self-promotion and marketing going on in, in the dating pool these days. Yes. And that's where, Dan, your point about a community of married people, of, of wise elders, of people you trust that have your best interests in mind, going back to just general friendships, mm -hmm. they should have a, a ton of influence on people you're seeking out as potential mate and partner. But, you know, most of the time, if we're just stuck on the physical attraction, we'll, we won't listen to anybody else's input. Yeah. You know, they, they'll be, uh, she'll say he's an entrepreneur. And her mom will be like, yeah, he didn't have a job. But, <laughs> but if you're not open to that kind of thing, yeah. there's no way you can take the feedback. Yeah. Yeah, well, chapter eight gets into sex and marriage. Uh, and the first question he asks is, why does God confine sexual activity exclusively to married couples? Uh, and I think that's something that is a, is a huge pushback in our culture today. Uh, we see it as, um, you know, most people see it as oppressive, repressive. Um, and yet um, Keller is going to tell you, like, literally just the opposite is true. Uh, it is the most freeing concept because it's the opportunity for you to express uh, who you are sexually uh, in a relationship where you can be vulnerable, where there's true intimacy, and you can be known um, as opposed to um, just using sex as right a weapon or um, a way to connect with somebody, but then you disconnect and you don't even realize how much that disconnection actually rips a part of you away. And so he does a great job. Um, it's, it's a very, very powerful chapter. It's a really difficult way to actually end the book because <laughs> it's so important. Um, so it's one of those books that, you know, you know, people who pick up a book and they say, well, I didn't read it all the way to the end. This is one of those books you have to read all the way to the end uh, because chapter eight and, uh, and just the power of sex uh, and, the, and the explanation for God's design, his creation for it to be within marriage is really, really an important thing for people to know about. Yeah, culture is used sex as a self uh, realization, self-fulfilling mm -hmm. prophecy on, you know, I'm going to live out the best me through my sexual exploits. Yep. And, and God's like, man, you are losing every bit of power that's there. Keller says the, the Christian teaching is that sex is primarily a way to know God. Wow. You mean in my marriage, <laughs> sex is going to be a way that I understand maybe a tenth, maybe that's too much of just the awesome fellowship between God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That oneness with my spouse and that where she's serving me and I'm serving her and it's not about me, yeah. and nothing better. Yeah. And, and it means so much more 26 years in when she knows all my junk, she knows how screwed up I am, she knows all my flaws, and yet she still, I mean, it's a miracle, she still wants to give herself to me in that way. That is so freaking powerful because then I'm just thinking, God knows how flawed I am. He knows how screwed up I am, and he still dies for me. Yeah. I mean, it, it, nobody explained this to me until yeah. I was 35. Well, okay, so the rest of that quote, right, which you, I mean, it's almost like you have to read the whole thing. It says, the Christian teaching is that sex is primarily a way to know God and build community. And if you use it for those things rather than your own personal satisfaction, it will lead to greater fulfillment than you can imagine. And, and that's the thing that we're, we're definitely like, the culture is definitely not teaching young yeah. people, right? It's, it's the concept of, oh, Christianity is, you know, it's anti-sex and it's repressive on sex and things like that. And it's like, no, 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 just the opposite, right? It, it's, it's a greater understanding if done the way that God is designed than if not practiced that way. Yeah, he, so he speaks pretty honestly about what happens also when it's 
done outside of God's design mm-hmm. as well. And, and just in my margins, uh, I, I just highlighted a, a particular paragraph uh, where he's just talking. He says, the problem is that eventually sex will lose its covenant-making power for you, even if you one day do get married. And ironically, then sex outside of marriage eventually works backwards, making you less able to commit and trust another person. And I just wrote in the margin, I'm like, man, this makes me so sad. Uh, it makes me so sad for this generation who is so flippant about sex outside of marriage and how it's it's a cultural norm. Like, we're actually going to do this to see if we're compatible enough to get married. I'm like, man, what what an incredibly um, destructive lie for, for people to believe. Um, and, and then I, I was reading uh, just the page before where he talks about C.S. Lewis's quote where he says mm. he, he likened sex without marriage to tasting food without swallowing and digesting it. <laughs> and it's like you, you get yeah. like this initial benefit from it, yeah. um, and then what do you do? but Spit it's not it fulfilling. Yeah. Like, like there's no calories. fulfillment yeah. to it yeah. because it's not actually doing anything for you uh, in terms of like your relationship with that person picture. or yep. relationship uh, with the Lord. And, and so, and he he goes back to then saying that's why the covenant is necessary. Yeah, that's right. That that's why sex within a covenant is necessary. It gives you that, it creates that place of security for vulnerability and intimacy. Um, and and you know, when we think about that that concept and that idea, uh, and you realize how God has designed this for our good, and that God intends good for us. Um, when you can grasp that concept and understand that, right, then you can place this incredible gift that God has given to us. You can experience it and you can live it out in a way, right, that's fulfilling, that's meaningful, and that's purposeful. And otherwise, it's just something that, and, and unfortunately, right, you just kind of you throw around there, right? You don't realize how much it tears at you and how much it destroys people as you go through life. And you never get the fulfillment as the way that God has designed it. And it can be tremendously destructive in the lives and the community of people. Yeah, thank goodness porn didn't take over the culture. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it runs in total contrast to the concept Keller is painting that sex is actually a self-denial and a focus on pleasing your spouse. Yeah. And we've got, uh, I don't even know what it is now, a $10 billion porn- pornography business that is all about self-gratification and putting you first. Yeah. And God's like, you're missing every part of what's beautiful about this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember who it was. There's a, a famous musician, right, you know, hooked on porn. And he just talks about how, um, you know, pornography is cheaper than actually, you know, having a date and getting married and all the different things. And it's like, what? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it's like, what? I mean, for, for what? Like, I mean, your relationships, and, and this guy's yeah. worth millions, by the way. And so it's mm-hmm. kind of weird when people who have tons of money are telling me that, you know, I got a you know, porn account over here because I can save money and not get a wife. And I'm like, that, that's really a, such a skewed view of life that that's what you want. I mean, it just it doesn't make any sense. I'm going to follow that up with Pope John Paul quote. It's not that porn shows too much. It shows too, too little. little. That the depth of the marriage and the sacrifice and the flaws and the grace and the truth and the love, when you renew that covenant in sex, man, it's so powerful. Yeah. It's so much more than the act. Yeah. But, but if you take a self-gratification view, you'll never understand that. So the Pope was right. Mm-hmm. It shows way too little. Yeah. yeah. I, I think Tim does a good job, too, in, in this chapter of talking a little bit or at least addressing, and this is really for, for any of our single uh, listeners, um, just the uh, uh, the 
not the power necessarily, but the the risk of temptation, mm-hmm. um, in and really just this desire uh, that most men, young men especially, are going to have. Uh, and and my, I think maybe my favorite quote in this chapter was one from Martin Luther, where he says. Um, Uh, Martin Luther was reputed to say about sexual desires, you can't stop birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from making a nest in your hair. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I would say something different because I don't have any hair, but but in your beard, I the the yeah it, the the premise is the same though, right? Yep. It's like um, even when faced with with sexual desires or even temptations, yep. because obviously in this world today, uh, as you guys have both just mentioned. Um, I mean, uh, porn is rampant everywhere. Like you can't even, and it's not just um, like hardcore stuff, but even um, just on billboards or commercials or football games or anything else, right? There's there's um, opportunities for desire everywhere and temptations. Uh, and so I love that he says like, but, but you still have a choice. Sure. Uh, you have a choice of whether you let that bird nest or just keep flying. Yeah. Um, and, and the easiest way I think, uh, is that, man, you just press in. Like, um, if you don't want to, uh, allow that bird to nest, uh, then you press into the Lord and you keep him close, uh, and not allow those temptations or desires to get out of hand. Uh, because then you start to see the destructive nature of what sex is outside of marriage or yeah. when it's cheapened. Yeah. And you want you want to see that. I mean, open up Proverbs, right. Mm-hmm. You know, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, and it just it talks about the wayward woman, right, who calls you down into her lair, and it's it's going to be destructive. And you know, Paul writes about the idea, um, you know, that um, you know, sh- should you ever be with a prostitute, you know, have sex with a prostitute, and he's just like, you know, no, um, that idea, that that union that you have there, right, is is a joining together of two people, the two become one, and so you're, in a sense, becoming one with somebody. Right. And uh, and that relationship. Right. Is is so powerful the way that God has designed it to be um, that you you in a sense you can't cheapen it. Mm -hmm. Right. And and even though you want to, even though, you know, it's like, oh, you know, you know, I'll have it on my own terms. It's like, no, God hasn't designed it so that it can be used that way. Mm -hmm. Right. When you have sex with somebody. Right. You're going to make a connection (laughs) and that connection is going to be real and it's going to be intimate. And then if you don't stay in that connection because you're not married, there's going to be a ripping away and there's going to be a tearing because that's the way that God designed it. I think of, you know, you know, the idea when when we were young, right, the way sex was explained to us, it's like it's just super glue. Right. And we've all used super glue. Uh, it's powerful, and you put it in the wrong place, and it's it's tough. Yeah, be <laughs> you careful know, what you stick be to. Be careful what you stick to, um, and that's that's a, a great reminder, right? Not only for young people um, and you know singles, but for us as, as adults. Be careful what you stick to. Be careful what you uh, allow in your say, you know sense to come into your mind, right? And those thoughts that you allow to dwell, right? Because those are super powerful. And so, uh, this whole idea of um, marriage gives you a place to put a very powerful tool that God has given us, a place where it's safe, a place where it can be used, a place where it can be a benefit as opposed to a destructive force. And it's just, it's so sad when you see um, how destructive this great tool that God gave us uh, is being used in today's culture. Yeah. So what else, anything else on? You know, maybe the, the encouragement at the end of all these chapters is, uh, the mistakes I made in the first half of my marriage would have been lessened and avoided if I had more men around me in mm. friendship yep. that were yep. 
pointing these things out, but you know, I was very particular on not having any, anybody call me wrong, especially my wife. Yeah. So the encouragement would also be, as you're in a marriage, as you're dating, have other brothers around you that'll help you, encourage you, and keep you accountable. Because, man, you don't want to do this on your own. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember when Trish and I, um, newly married, went out to dinner with a couple friends. And <laughs> after the dinner, Trisha, we got in the car, and she goes, um, she goes, that marriage isn't going to last. I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> 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 what? And she goes, um, did you notice how he talked about his wife? And, of course, you know, me being completely oblivious, I was like, not really. I mean, I, I wasn't paying attention. And she said, um, he said some negative things about his wife, and he said them in front of us. And it's like, imagine what he says to her and about mm. her behind closed doors. And I was like, oh, wow. I hadn't even picked up on that. But that concept is, hey, guys, when you build community, find people who pay attention to you and what you say and what you do. And when they see things that need to be called out, call them out. So if, if you're in a relationship, right, and you've got some guys, right, and you're, you know, kind of in a life group, Bible fellowship, whatever, finds those guys who when, when I say something negative about my wife in public, right, that they're coming up and saying, hey, I know you got a problem going on. Let's deal with it and let's talk about it. And I think that corrective force is such a powerful uh, tool uh, that can help us in our marriages. The only thing worse than being in a bad marriage is not telling anybody about it yeah. and not seeking help. Yeah. The That's worst true. thing you can do is say nothing. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times, as men, we don't want to admit we're wrong. We don't want to admit we're struggling. Yep. Some of the greatest victories I've seen in marriage is men just saying, hey, I'm not doing it well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you help. help me? I need some help. Yeah. One of the, the most powerful words in the world, will you help me? Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah. some of the most difficult to say, though. Yes. <laughs> For sure. Right? For sure. Um, and, you know, and, and, as, and as men in this particular culture, we we think that we have to know everything and do everything when in reality we're all learning, right? We're yeah. on a, we're on a journey and we're all in this together. Um, how can we help each other out? Yeah. So, well, fantastic book, Mike, thank you for recommending it. Um, Good job, Mike. Yeah. A I hate a, this book. A, a, a beating of a book. Love over it too. Head. Uh, but it, it really was, there's a very, very um, powerful read. Um, I recommend it again to, uh, to really everybody. Um, you know, any age, right, kind of you know, the high school kid on up, give this book to them, uh, help them understand what marriage is, God's designed for it, um, and it, it would be great to give it people to people before before, yeah. before they got married, sure. but it's, it's super valuable, even if you're married, this is a great thing to help you uh, in that. So Mike and Gabe, thanks for the conversation, for the four weeks of discussions, and for taking the time to read the book. Awesome. It was a joy. Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also, check out additional content on our website, trainingformanhood.com. That's training, the number four, manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David, be strong and show yourself a man.